With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's fun when we do that live. It's the last few minutes when you think, am I going to get to the top of the hour? Good afternoon, Liverpool Community Radio, 106.7 FM. By the way, if you listen to the pre-record of this, right, and you think, what are you talking about? You should have been listening. It's New Daily Quest on me, Matty Grimes. Not on my own today. Alan's here. Hello. Mick's here. Hello. See, everyone listening to this later is going to say, what are you talking about? <laughs> if you'd have been listening to 11 and 12, you'd have known. Anyway. I hope you're well. Uh, we are Liverpool's only local community radio station. We are Liverpool Community Radio 106.7 FM. What? <laughs> what? I'm behaving. <laughs> and uh, uh, we're on 106.7 FM. Also online at l-c-r.co.uk. L-c-r.co.uk. Uh, first hour look at the papers. Second hour we have a guest. <laughs> Uh, no guests today, <coughs> as yet. We're going to probably play out an archive interview. Don't know what we're going to play out, but I'll find something. Uh, you are entitled to get in touch with us in the studio. It'd be great to hear from you. 0761 is our number. Uh, Twitter, LCRFM, Facebook, Liverpool Community Radio, the new voice of the city. That's where we live. That's where we are. Come along and say hello. Right, I'll say look at the headlines in the papers. So, Alan, start with you. Okay, I've got the eye. Yes. And there are one, two, three... Four headlines that are worth worth having a, a bit of a closer look at later. Okay. So the, the main headline says seven thousand pound mortgage hike after record interest rate rises, and the backstory of that so it's continued on page eight. But the backstory says millions are braced for further cost of living squeeze uh, as the Bank of England is set to hike interest rates for the twelfth consecutive time to tackle high inflation. Homeowners on variable rate mortgages have seen annual payments rise, an annual payment increase of an average of £7,070 since December 2021, due to an escalating base rate. Uh, analysts warn that uh, rates could reach 5% this year, with one telling the eye that rate, the rate rise will help trigger a big drop in house prices up to 15%. Right, just as an update to that, Alan. Uh, yeah. The Bank of England have just announced the ra- they're going to raise rates to 4.5%, the highest level since 2008. Yep. Yep. So inflation's still above 10%. Uh, 
driven by high food prices and fuel bills. Consumers face a new increase in household energy bills under government plans to impose a hydrogen levy to pay for green technology. The other bits and pieces in here, um, the uh, there's a looming Tory rebellion after the, after the Archbishop of Canterbury uh, suggested that the migrants' bill, the migrant bill that's going through the House of Parliament at the moment, is morally unacceptable. Um, one of the ministers has uh, basically told Mr. Uh, Reverend Welby to get his nose out of their business. Mm, okay. But um, as one of the as one of the Lord's temporal, it's his business anyway to to point out the immorality of things. Okay. Um, okay, what else there? Uh, I don't know. You tell me. You've got the paper. Yeah. I can't um, see. There's an interview by somebody called Russell Tovey about toxic masculinity. Um, he says he was told that loving drama and art was gay. Okay. But that's uh, that's about long and short of it. Okay, dokie. Uh, Mick, what's on the front of the our friends at St. Paul Square, a.k.a. The Echo? Uh, the British Regional Newspaper of the Year, £1.50. Uh, no, no, Regional News Brand of the Year. Yeah. No longer paper, it's brand. Say cheese. Pardon? It's a say cheese. Cheese. City travelling from the, its time in the spotlight, says Eurovision Minister... Right, okay. No, no, I mean, you know, obviously there's a lot of hard work gone into the into your yeah, Eurovision. Um with you know you know, we look at the Eurovision village, we look at the Eurovision itself, how much I thought they already had the Eurovision. I kept thinking that well, they've we already had it. No, no, no. We had, no we the Eurovision village has been uh, active since last Friday. I've got some details on that as well. And also, as well, a lot of the world's media um, are here for the Eurovision Song Contest, if you don't know, if you, where have you been um, here. But it's good for the city. Um, you know, it's generating a lot of money money for them as well. And a lot of people are, you know, are enjoying the atmosphere that's uh, going around the city at the moment. And you look at some of the acts. The first semi-final was on Tuesday. And 10 countries went through. There's another semi-final tonight. And um, I, I was lucky enough to actually be um, down at the media centre on Monday, having a, having a quick look around. And I managed to see a lot of the um, rehearsals um, on screen, which has got, which I've said before, it's got, it's on the screen, it's got prohibited, do not film the screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Easy enough. So what does one journalist do? Film the screen. What does one journalist do? From it. yeah, film it. Uh, <laughs> I, think, uh, I think their accreditation was revoked because yeah. there was an email sent round on the on the Monday night. Um, but it's going to be great for the city. It's going to look good. Um, and well, we'll see what happens. What else yeah. is on the front? Is that it? No, it's not it. Okay, thought that was it. No, uh, forever young. Um, Tribute as a stab victim. Casey, 24, lad to rest, lay to rest. Oh. About a lad that got um, stabbed in Norris screen. Yeah. Uh, not right back where I live, actually. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Well, the police not interviewed you yet, then? Weren't we done it? Going to be one of those shows, folks. Stick yeah. around. Uh, the question is, how long before, no we, get comment. The, how long before we get the lawyers involved? As well as I'm playing music <laughs> on local bands. They're playing, these guys are playing next week at the end of season party that's being run by Red Men TV. Mm -hmm. Red Men. Tickets are available 
a Hotel 23. Never uh, heard this of it. This is the Ragamuffins and Dance You the Last All One Standing. All these Shut 
this isn't just any community cafe. It's a grass-rooted, gregarious, friendly, affordable, home-baking, isolation-reducing, healthy eating, freshly brewing, welcoming, inspirational community cafe. The Croissant of Inequality Community Cafe, 55 to 57 Holt Road, Kensington, L7, 2pm. We sell freshly ground and brewed Italian coffee for only one pound a mug, plus a range of teas, kombucha, toasties, jackie potatoes, snacks, delicious homemade soups. We also sell our own sourdough bread for only £1.50 a loaf. Pay by cash or card. Eat in or take away. Open Monday to Friday, 10 to 3. Call in or visit our Facebook page to find out about our community events and activities on offer. The Croissant of Inequality, 55 to 57. Holt Road, Kensington. My name is George, I live in Liscard, Wallasey, and I constantly listen to Liverpool Community Radio because it's absolutely bloody brilliant. Hello, Frank Griffith here. Come along to fully explore and excavate the jazz cavern, a wondrous and winding musical pathway of sultry saxes, brooding brass, righteous rhythm sections, and veritable vocals, airing on Thursdays at 9 p.m. and Sundays at 6 p.m. The Jazz Cavern. A caravan you won't want to get off. Dig the sounds. Yeah, well worth listening to if you do listen to it. Liverpool Community Radio, 106.7 FM. New Daily Cross on me, Matty Grimes. Alan Stubbs is over there. Good afternoon. Mix over <laughs> Hello. there. Hello. And we're going to the papers now. Okay, yeah. come on. Okay, so... It being a Thursday, I thought I'd look at the inside pace of the eye. Well, if you lift your mic up, maybe we could hear you. <laughs> Speak up, I can't hear you, man. That's the one. <laughs> That's better. That's better. We can hear you now. That's anyway, so the quote of the day is from somebody called Frederick Locker Lampson. Who? Exactly. I've not been able to find anything out Correct. It says, the world is as ugly as sin and almost as delightful. Yeah, fair enough. We'll give, yeah, we'll we'll give him that. that. We'll give him that one. We'll it's give him that it. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's look at today's birthdays. Let's do it. So get your guessing, get, get your guessing guns oh, going. Get your brain going. Yeah. I'm good at this, some um, of them. Get Jeremy you. Paxman, journalist. Let's call it a bit. <laughs> Jeremy Paxman, journalist. Ah, uh, oh, six, 67. I'm 61. 73. Is he? Oh. I mean, apart from says he's carrying quite well. <laughs> um, Eric Byrne. Who? Ooh, Eric, Eric Byrne. Byrne. Singer from The Animals. Uh, I'll go 70 fo- 74. 70. 82. Is it? Oh. Pam Ferris, actress. Oh, she played Tingo in um, <coughs> The Larkins, didn't she? She yeah. played. Um, Wasn't well, she in Open All Hours as well? Um, yeah, I think she was. Yes, yeah, you're right. She yeah. was, uh, so she, she, was the, she was the woman that lived opposite. That, yeah, uh, I'll be polite then. I'll go. She 69. 60. 75. That was close. <laughs> that was close. Yeah. Um, Clive Waring, a musicologist. What? A musicologist. Ologist. Someone uh, that studies the science of music. Fair enough. I have mm. no idea. Somebody 43? 
44. Somebody that can count to eight. Eight, they count to eight or five if, five if the numbers are black. <laughs> Is that a is that is is that a joke no, that's gone right over our heads? Okay. <laughs> Probably. Eight, eight for the white keys and five for the black keys. Uh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, you're right. Just tell us how old he is. He's eighty-five. Right, okay. Uh, Something Matthew will know because he he knows about stuff like this. Go on. Um, Do I? Andres Iniesta. Ah uh, yes, Iniesta, fine football player. Uh, he's got to be thirty-eight, Iniesta. Thirty-nine. Thirty-nine is he? Yeah. Yep. And finally, yes. um, Pat Butcher, well, Pamson Clement. She's still alive. I thought she died in real I life. I thought she died. I thought she well, passed in real life. I okay. she's still living. Well, okay, I'll just double check that. Well, but yeah. If you have your shoulder back, she's going up behind you. Yeah, I know. Um, Pamson Clement, I'd say 70. 80. 81. Oh. Yeah. And then today's. I was. I was wasn't sure whether I should talk about this because I. Oh, no, she's still alive. This yeah. is My apologies, Pat. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, is, Pat. Yes. Pam. She's, she's got the, she's got the, the hands raised behind Matty. She's about to clip her out of years. I ain't bothered. Yeah. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah. Uh, oh no, it's all right. Don't worry. It's something else. Okay. <laughs> <Hang on>. um, <laughs> today's anniversary <coughs> for the eleventh of May. Uh, in 1812, on this day, Spencer Percival, Britain's Prime Minister since 1809, was shot dead by a deranged businessman called John Bellingham. I nearly said Jude Bellingham then. <laughs> I'm sure Jude Bellingham would love that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, he was shot in the lobby of the House of Commons. Uh, basically, this, uh, Mr. Bellingham's business had gone belly up and uh, he uh, was somewhat brass off with... Uh, with Parliament. <laughs> oh well, yeah, hundred, yeah, hundred and ten years later, nothing's changed. Okay, Daddy. Yeah, actually, nearly two hundred years later. Oh, well, there you changed. go, Mick. What have you got? <laughs> we'll miss Crazy Casey, a family f- friend. Uh, what did I say? A family friend. Uh, the funeral of a man who died after being stabbed. Casey Anderson was stabbed in leg and chest on Car Lane East in Croxteth on Sunday, March the 11th. He spent two weeks in hospital, critical condition, and but then died on Friday the 31st of March. His funeral took place... The funeral took place at our Lady Queen at Magistry, Ministry Catholic Church in Croxteth yesterday. A horse-drawn cart raged, led, led Casey's coffin to the church whilst a hearse carried the message God finished, the coffin has finished them. Well, come flung... Come, come, camouflage. Camouflage also featured horse drawn carriage. A pick of Casey, additionally of an area of tribute, use was left on Thorn Road in Croxteth. <coughs> Not far from me. Yeah. Do you know what? It's one. 
it's difficult. Well, it's, it's, you can't comment about it. You can't comment about no, it. No, I, I had something to talk. I had something to do and uh, to say. I was going to follow up with, but with that story, it's not really much you can say. No. Just play another record. Uh, this is Connie Rhodes. I have nothing.
At Connie Rhodes, I have nothing. Liverpool Community Radio, 106.7 FM. It's a new daily cross on me, Matty Grimes. Alan's over there. Mm. Mix over here Hello. with his little two. Right, let's go back into the papers. Alan. Okay, time for a list. Excellent. And it's a light-hearted list. It makes you laugh. Just think about the, just think about the numbers. I'm gonna, what's against the numbers I'm going to shout out? Right, okay. And I'll tell you here and now, I've tried four of them. <laughs> Have okay. you now? So... The whole idea is that Britons are apparently afraid of foreign food. Right. Don't eat that foreign, man. Um, <laughs> that sounds like my mother. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, do you have a phobia of foe? Are you terrified of tamaki? Well, research what? by the Sushi tamaki. Daily. Exactly, never heard of it. Uh, research by the Sushi Daily, never heard of that either. No. Nope. Uh, suggests that many Britons are reluctant to try unfamiliar foods, might need a helping hand. Okay. In other words, somebody will hold you down and somebody else will force feed you. <laughs> they won't force feed me. <laughs> put it that way. Uh, oh, they will. Shut they up won't. listen. Okay. Uh, right. Here are the top ten dishes people are avoiding. Now, how many of these have you tried? At ten, we've got pho, which what is there? Korean. Never. And it's, it's like rocket fuel. No. Um, I've, I've tried <laughs> um, sashimi. I've tried sashimi. No. no. Fish. Uh, Akai. Never heard of it. No. Ceviche. No. <laughs> I've tried that. Okay. Uh, tamaki. What's tamaki? I'll pass. I don't know either. Okay. Um, I think I've eaten yakisoba. What's it? <laughs> <laughs> you've, had a be- you've had better lists. Yeah. That's why I think this is funny. Is it? Uh, it's uh, the uh, brightness up from the, yeah. from the sad echo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, fourth equal, we've got yakisoba and poke, or pokey. <laughs> <laughs> well, Billy, uh, wasn't Billy Joe Spears, but Billy Joe Summer, rather, an American Who? singer, sang a song about poke saladani. Poke saladani. I've no idea. Okay. I'll I say it again. Force feeding a salad. I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it. I'll, s- <laughs> I'll say it again. What I normally say. What am I? Wikipedia. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, uh, third place we got ban ban me. Say that again. Uh, in third place we have ban me. Ban ban me. What's ban me? It's B A N H M I. B A N H M I. It's um, it's Vietnamese. Okay. What's okay. it number and two? In first sequels we got. Oh. Uh, in first sequel we got nigiri and maki. Okay. <laughs> Sure. You what? what? Even the names of those put me off eating some of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Whenever you sit, whenever you watch Top Gear when they do a, yeah. they do a tour around, around the Far East, I'm always impressed that Jeremy Clarkson will eat whatever's put in front of him. Yeah. He'll eat sort of snakes, spiders, locusts, <laughs> he'll eat anything. And uh, Richard Hammond just wants a packet of cornflakes. <laughs> 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 yeah. I don't like that. I don't like fish. Oh, you're for new Richard Hammond. No, that's, that's really tiresome. But, uh, there you go. Nice. Okay, it's, uh, that'll do for me. Okay, Mick, what have you got? Hope for a great big bundle of joy. BBC Eurovision manager, director Martin Green branded the Liverpool Eurovision sport and community as. 
Sentinational Martin Overshooter, the producer this year, connect, contest playing a great role in everything we have seen unfold over the last few years. Last few months, sorry. Yeah. Martin told the Echo he refused to be begin work begin working until clear ties with Ukraine were made. He wanted them to have direct role in the contest. Martin admitted he was proud of everything the team managed to pull through together but made a specific praise to Liverpool for holding such a special celebration he said sent national that essentially the combined did authority play their part to playing dictation and all international friends arrived departed he added I really hope this arena in Liverpool, just great big beacon of light to the world, a great bundle of joy. Yeah, as I said earlier. That's a lot happier. It is, and um, there was a press conference yesterday, um, which was um, hosted by um, Martin... There were two Martins, one Martin from the BBC, and the other yeah. Martin is the chief executive of uh, the executive director of Eurovision, and they were asking, uh, answering questions. If you are looking for something to do today, maybe on your lunch hour, well, maybe you got something to do after work, uh, the Eurovision Village is open. Uh, it opened at 12 o'clock. Uh, in about 15 minutes' time at 12.45, if you listen to later editions, uh, Hope Street's SEM project are on, then the Neurodiversity Choir, Hope Uni Big Band are on. Uh, then Croatia appear singing. Uh, Serbia pop on as well, so give you a blast of theirs. Ali Horn, good man, mm-hmm. good tunes, uh, is on at 3.45. And KRUTB is on at 4.30. And then Jamala with the BBC Philharmonic Orchestra is on at 6. And then it is 8 o'clock. The semi-final two, which is taking place this evening, is going to be streamed live. And if you don't, you want to mm. totally avoid your division, why not? Are you looking for something to do? Uh, our good friend Pauline Daniels, who has been a guest on Kenny Island and also on our show, is doing her show uh, to raise money for um, the Little Theatre in Birkenhead. It takes place tonight, £17 a ticket. Available online only. Doors open at 7. The show's from 7.30. And it's called Get Me Before the Crematorium Does. It's <laughs> Pauline Daniels for you. Uh, She's only doing it for one night only, and all the money raised goes to support the little theatre. So if you are, if you want to avoid yeah, your illusion tonight, and you're looking for something to do, pop down and see Pauline there. Uh, available tickets are available online for the little from the little theatre. It starts at doors open at seven. It starts at seven thirty. Mm. Pop down and see her as well. I'm talking about Eurovision. Hang on, uh, right, press the button. This is your captain speaking. I'd like to welcome you aboard this Eurovision flight. The duration will be three minutes exactly. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the flight. Anyway, the Eurovision after party has been announced to see, uh, for tonight with 2007 entrants. These boys, these gang scooch. 
performing alongside RuPaul, Sweden, Antonia Nutshell and the Drag Queens, the Funny Boys. Tonight at 10 o'clock at the Baltic Triangle Blundell Street party venue, we'll see Scooch come out of retirement. Didn't even know they retired for a special Eurovision party. On the night, the, uh, tonight, revellers can expect lot to be dancing lots of camp classics from the decades of Eurovision. There'll be a mashup of the best cheesy pop music from the drag queen DJs, fun and games from the Funny Boys cast, and a special performance from Scooch. That's all being hosted by Antonia Nutshell of RuPaul Drag Race Sweden. Scooch shot to fame in 1999 when they won a contest on the BBC One Saturday morning show Live and Kicking, subsequently reaching number five in the UK charts with their hit single More Than I Needed To Know they went on to perform the finals of 2007 Eurovision Song Contest with this is allegedly a raunchy hit find a flag in the return after 16 years anyway they say it's super exciting and what better opportunity to get the band back together Flying the Flags, the Eurovision equivalent to having a Christmas hit single for us. Every year we get to talk about the song and our experience in the competition. Back in 2007, the song was chosen by the public and 16 years on it blows us away that people still hold the song in their hearts. Anyway, uh, so the after-party the after party event's been hosted by the Funny Boys, who have recently voted the seventh best act in the UK and the best in Liverpool in the recent poll. Uh, from the Bottle Club based on the Google rating score, Instagram LGBTQ plus friendly and location. They were found in 2020 and they developed a reputation among the best event brands with a hilarious cast, Benidorm Bingo Nights, RuPaul Nights, Tribute Nights, Top DJs, Games and more. And they perform in five cities throughout the UK but they're based in Liverpool and have a residency at Blundell Street. So if you want to go along, it's tonight at 10 o'clock Baltic Triangle Blundell Street Party Venue Tickets are £15 Get in touch with the uh, Baltic Street uh, The Blundell Street Venue Baltic Triangle See if tickets are available If you go in Enjoy yourself We'll leave you the last bit of scooching And we'll play a record Because <laughs> don't forget We're into Eurovision here in Liverpool And we love it so much And with that, the record I wanted to play, I've completely lost. And do you know what? What really annoys me even more is when people talk and I'm trying to do a link. It's all right. I'll play this one. Mark Leslie, sometimes when I'm touching, I'm going to kick you under this table now in about three minutes' time, but you know that. You asked me if I love you, and it shows on my reply. I'd rather hurt you want to sleep. Let me sleep with a lie And who am I to judge you On what you say or do I'm only just beginning To see the real you And sometimes when we touch The honesty is too much and I have to close my eyes and hide I wanna hold you till I die Until we both break down and cry I wanna hold you till the fear in me subsides 
and all its strategy leaves me battered in my pride. But through my insecurities, some tenderness survives. Why love commands you, and I've watched love pass you by. At times I think we're drifters, still searching for a friend, a brother or a sister. But the flurry burns inside, and it's sometimes when we touch. That's Mark Leslie. Sometimes when we touch, I didn't kick him. I couldn't even reach. Liverpool Community Radio, 106.7 FM. Need you should have small legs then, Matty. Need any questions me and Matty Graham. Simon <laughs> Stubbs is over there. Hello. Nick's over there. Hello. Yeah. yeah. Uh, into the paper as we go again. Okay. Yes. I've got a chart. That's nice. A chart as in a list. Oh. A list? It's a list You've just done most... a list. Yeah, I found, found do another one. one. Found the best one, a more appropriate one. Oh, good. That's that's good. (laughs) We like that. Go on. It's about the most successful countries in Eurovision history. Oh. Uh, And that's calculated according to the number of times each country has been placed within the top ten in the finals. Okay. All right. How how long have they been doing uh, semi-finals and qualifications? (laughs) I haven't got a clue. Uh, They've only been doing the semi-finals since 2000. Four, I think something like that. Something like that, I think. Don't quite. Is that when it got a bit too too big? Well, I mean, if if we would, if we would, if if it was done, uh, the show would be about ten hours long because you'd have to have semi final. You have to have like everyone on and then all about so on and so forth. Yeah. As it is, they reduced it to two hours. It's still too long. (laughs) (laughs) Funny you say that. Johnny's on the phone now. Now go on. (laughs) Um, A list of 
most successful countries in European history, according to how many times have been placed in the top ten. You've got uh, with twenty five with twenty five occasions you got the, the Netherlands. Yeah. In twenty six occasions you got Denmark. Okay. Twenty eight occasions you got Switzerland, which includes Sien, Celine Dion, presumably. Uh, I'd assume so. Yeah. I, I would Did, think so. Yeah, was Swiss was Switzerland? She. Yeah, it was. Away. Yes, I do believe it was Alan. Yes. Yeah. Don't, don't quote uh, me on it. Uh, Twenty nine, you got Spain. Oh. Uh, tw- uh, Thirty one, you've got Ireland. Ireland. Yep. Now they obviously they they've got the record, haven't they? Yeah. Well, no, could, they could be tied. No, you'd be no, you'd be surprised. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, they won also, it twice. At uh, uh, 34, you've got Italy. Right. At uh, 30, so you've gone from 20, <coughs> you've gone from 31 for Ireland, 34 for Italy, 35 for Germany, 37 for France, and then tied first, yeah. you've got the UK and Sweden, both at 40, both at 42. Swap that one? Yeah, no, swap mics. I've played it up the wrong one because it was you had a lot of buzzing back. Is that better? What on that one? Yeah, that better. Hello, that'll do. Because yeah. okay. when I put that up, it's like a massive load of anyway. Go on, I think you need to clean the yeah. switches. I was saying that I'll uh, let you do that. In, in top, <laughs> in top at uh, 42 occasions, you've got a tie between Sweden and the UK, right? And just in case anybody had forgotten or didn't know. Or, uh, turn their hearing aid on. <laughs> the Eurovision final is on. Is on Saturday. This Saturday. It's on Saturday. And, yes, it is. And I don't. Want, I wouldn't want to cross him up. But his name starts with Matty Grimes. But he's <laughs> really? actually going to be there. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be around. I'm not actually going. To, well, it depends. I mean, we'll see there, what we'll see what happens. You'll be in the press box, boy. I, I know. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll be in the media centre to start with, and then we'll we'll speak paparazzi. to various colleagues and see what we can uh, we can come it's up an with. Official paparazzi. Matty, Matty, don't film the screen. That's all I will say. Don't film yeah. the screen. You get sacked. Because yeah. that, that would be a, a sore point. <laughs> it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a running joke. Um, I went on. I say went down on Monday. Had a look. Just on a bit, bit of a um, recce, really reconnaissance, and um, we're lucky enough that we got to see the rehearsals. And there is, a, it basically says on screen prohibited. Do not film the screen. It's not that hard. It's just big it enough. really isn't. Yeah. Just sit there, look at the axe, and don't film the screen. Yeah, it's going to be hard if the screen is big. It would appear, it appeared that someone did actually film the screen. Yeah, uh, on Monday because Monday night we all, um, every, everyone received an email about an instant yeah. uh, about that had happened. So please don't film the screen. Um, which is I can understand why because they're trying to build up the whole show and you know they want it. So the first time people will see tonight's live is tonight's. Yeah. You don't I mean, want to see it before. Correct. I'm lucky enough. I've seen tonight. I've seen tonight's rehearsals yesterday. Yeah. Oh. You see, that's normal. You've got my sympathy. No, no, no. Because because they gave <laughs> they've given us access to the media centre online yeah. where they actually stream yeah. the the rehearsals. Yeah. So again, it says prohibited. Do not film the screen, but y- you can watch the rehearsals, mm. and and. We'll, 
I'm, I'm sort You'll of had a look at them. The link. No, I'm not sending you the link. <laughs> not sending you the link at all. No way is that happening, my friend. Oh, that's a shame. No, I know. <laughs> Have you got a story? You just like there. You just need to. Firmino, good still shot, Matt. Not back in full training. Well, he wouldn't be if he's injured. Yeah. Well, last week it, he would. I think he was still injured last week at the press conference, um, from what Jürgen said. Anyway, go on, carry on, Michael. What did they say? <laughs> Robert Fernandinho has still to resume full training for Liverpool as Anfield. Sorry, mate. Sorry. As Anfield. Bear with me. Yeah. You're pretty funny. It helps solve the paper you're going to read. As Anfield, fire well edged ever never near. Firmino hasn't fe- featured since a brief substitute, substitute of plight in six-one win at Leeds on April the seventeenth, having suffered a second muscle problem of the season, while the Reds had extent expected the striker to be abstinent for three games with the issue he has now been missing for the last five games and wasn't a part of the season that took place at AXA training centre in Kirby yesterday afternoon Firmino instead has continued to work on a individual fitness programme as the Reds who returned from a short break in Barcelona Barcelona earlier in the week begin their preparation for Monday's Premier League trip to struggling Leicester City. Brazil will leave Liverpool on the a free train transfer Transfer at not train transfer at the end of the season at eight years at the club, the Reds confronted confident to the player will be available for the Anfield farewell against Arsenal Villa on Saturday. Yeah, his, season, his um, <clears throat> career at Liverpool is coming to an end, Bobby. And uh, I'll, say, I'll say, the press conference last week, Jürgen said he was injured. He may be back. They weren't sure. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Also, right, a couple of things I've got to tell you about. The old library Green Lane, our friends down there. Yeah. Tomorrow, Friday 12th of May, half six. Eyes down at 7.15 for bingo. Full uh, house. That's, that's the one. Raffle prizes, refreshments, snacks, and more. Um, it's five pound a book or two pound a strip, and all the profits will go towards the list Lister Steps charity. Uh, tickets are available on the door from their reception and on the website at tol.org.uk. So it's bingo tomorrow night, Friday the twelfth of May, uh, half six. It opens eyes down at seven fifteen. Five pound a book or two pound a strip. Get yourself along and support them. Also, as well, our friend. Uh, John Maguire, who is part of the arts group, who's currently outside um, the music, uh, the library in town as part of Eurovision. Um, they've got a read-along. Uh, they've been in touch with us. Uh, they've got a couple of history tours on um, 
there's a Maisie Music Tour, History Tour. It says, Jonas for an unforgettable journey through the city's hidden musical history beyond the glitz and glamour of the Beatles. Uh, discover the fascinating classical roots of Liverpool music scene during the Victorian era and the pivotal role and the rise of black music played in history. They now the bands like the Beatles found a unique sound amidst a rich tapestry of musical delights. Experience the magic of the city that once through sellout crowds during Hollywood's golden era and continues to captivate audiences to this day. Uncover the secrets of Liverpool's chart on successes in the 80s through the lens uh, uh, punk. Uh, starting at a majestic St George's Hall, unearth the hidden gems of Liverpool's vibrant music scene. Uh, tickets that are £12. And a beginner's guide to Liverpool from rural f- fishing, uh, rural fishing village to a magical destination, the Pool of Life. It's an exceptional place. Make sure you see the obvious and famous, but don't miss the unusual and mystical, mystical by orienta- orienteering properly from the start with our beginner's guide to Liverpool. The tour begins at Bluecoats uh, and will take in the old dock, Albert Dock, Pearhouse, St. Pearhead, sorry, St. Nicholas's Church and finish at St. George's Hall. It's a well-rounded walk into all Liverpool's history, taking in some of the most famous landmarks and understanding its rise and fall and rising into prominence. Tickets are out of £12. If you want more details, get in touch with the... Uh, you go to the website, www.artgroupie.org. There you go. Right, play this one. And then we'll go. What? Org stands for organisation. Correct. Liverpool Community Radio 106.7 <laughs> FM. It's new Delhi Croissant Tool 2. Right now, the ladies have been doing the rounds this week. Probably seen more interviews as well. Sonia, you <laughs> never stop me from loving you. Good.
So there you go, she's been doing the rounds, Sonia. That hasn't come to us. And you never stop me from loving you. Liverpool Community Radio, 106.7 FM. You nearly cross on me, Matty Grimes, Alan Stubbs. Hello. Mix over there. Hello. Uh, with you till two, we're going to play out an archive interview. I'm torn between George, voice of Anfield, and Lindsay Germain. But it's tough one, actually, so they're both really good interviews. Yeah. Tough one. Anyway, but, uh, we'll, we'll decide shortly. Alan, what have you got? Well, for us. back on the Eurovision theme. Oh, yeah. It's funny. I've got some Eurovision packs. I'll yeah. read out in a minute. Cool. Um, there's a piece in here that says uh, the actress Catherine Tate is getting a douze point role. Oh, very good. Yeah. Very good. I like that. She, Catherine Tate's been announced as the UK spokeswoman for the grand final of the Eurovision Song Contest. Okay. I can only live in hope that she, she, she does it. You said this before. Yeah. She, she, she brings her character back. Yeah, I want her to do it in the voice <laughs> of Grandma. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, the actress comedian will deliver the results of the country's national jury, including the coveted Douze Point. Du point. Live from the MS Bank Arena in Liverpool on Saturday. Now, go uh, on. That brings me up. Last night, <laughs> I had the misfortune to watch the uh, um, Northwest Tonight uh, right. program yeah. at half past six. Okay. And the journalist at the BBC sent out to interview somebody. Yes. Got hold of. It's well known that the Finnish acts are always sort of yes. slightly left field. Is this yeah. is this the 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 interview where she thought she she'd interviewed a, she, and she got to look like yeah yeah but then she said it was being held at the Echo Arena she couldn't even get the venue right well no because a lot of people <laughs> no this is where I, I will back I will back her on this a lot of people do call the Echo Arena because it was a, when it was built it were, was known as the Echo Arena because the they Echo were the title sponsors yeah. there yes yeah. they were so but it's known that, most people say the Echo Arena hmm. I know it's now the MS Arena but a lot of people know it's the Echo Arena so I can see where she's come yeah. from and I will back her Right. On I've, that, in which case, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a funny story about this. Oh, go on. I was on my way home from work one evening. Yes, and I was coming up the, up onto the concourse at James Street Station. Right, and there was a lady and gentleman in full uh, ball gown, evening dress, what have you. Yeah, and she, I'll try and impersonate the woman, but in about three three octaves lower. Do you know where? Do you know where the arena is? Said, yeah, out of here, turn right, down to the end, turn left and keep walking. You see, you can't miss it, it's on the right-hand side. She says, we're going to see Andrew Rao. And I said, well, that figures, she meant Andre Ria. Oh, right. So sure. he became Andrew Rao. <laughs> Andrew Rao. <laughs> Andre Rao. Well, I thought that sums up pretty well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, that man can sell out a venue. You ever yeah. try to get tickets for the show? Yeah. He's a showman. Yeah. That's See, not I, what I'd call them. I can't. <laughs> I call it Keep that for off air, Matty. My, my problem with it is that he only, plays the, he only ever plays the interesting bit, so you never hear the music in context. Yeah. What? But he'll take a piece of classical music and you only hear, you only hear the really tuneful stuff that everybody sings along to, but you don't hear the bits and pieces before it that, no. that paints the whole picture. Are you basically saying he's not good at his job? Is that what no, you're I'm saying? saying I think he is, you I'm know. So, I'm saying he's incredibly <laughs> good at his job, but there's mm. no accounting for people's lack of taste. Well, that's fair enough. Uh, so, okay, Andre Rio goes on tour every mean year. Andrew Rao. Andrew Rao, whatever. <laughs> he goes on tour every year, and yet he can sell out a 10,000 seat yeah. venue. Now, months of why? Months. Why? Because he what gives, is it about him? Because he gives people what they want. It's like Daniel O'Donnell. I hope not. No, <laughs> but I'm just saying, Daniel O'Donnell can do a tour and he can sell out. 
Yeah, but you've got, <laughs> not so. He can sell the tour out. How are you going to be over, over, overrated to buy a Daniel O'Donnell ticket? <laughs> <laughs> you would be surprised, see. You would be surprised. It's just right. It's just rather over eighty because otherwise you get arrested for the wrong bitty season. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know, you do look because he's not someone you see in the charts, Daniel O'Donnell. Thank Andre God. Rio, you don't see in the charts. You might see in the album charts at Christmas. Yeah. He releases a Christmas album or something. You know, Andre Rio does the the musicals yeah. or does the shows. I can understand where it's come from. Yeah. One thing you did notice with Eurovision coming up is you know our friends at Now. That's what I call music. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Obviously, they've come up with various ones over the year, all the nows. I think the 115 yeah. up to now. Uh, now that's what I call Christmas. Now that that's that's what I call no, birth. That's, what I, call yeah. that's what I call funeral music. Well, you know, yeah. so on and so forth. Or, or, or something called suicide music. You have to drag it down a level, don't you? <laughs> yeah. um, is that sponsored by the Echo? <laughs> yeah, sponsored by the Echo. <laughs> Where is it? Where's the button? What Where's button? the button? What Where's button? the button? This button. Sorry for the dis... The views and opinions of presenters and guests on Liverpool Community Radio do not represent or reflect those of the directors of LCR, Kensington Vision or any of the funders. No, oh. going to get you into trouble. You'd be surprised. Yeah. Bloody hell. You'd be surprised, mate. Um, I've totally lost your train of thought while we were talking about we were talking. Oh, they're now. That's yeah, right. Now, now they come out with now. That's what I call Eurovision. <laughs> yeah. Talk about cashing in. Anyway, speaking of Eurovision, it's happening. There's some events happening. I don't know what it is. Uh, here are some facts. Did you know there's a curse on Eurovision? <laughs> I was kidding no, you not. Really, no. <laughs> I don't believe in curses. I kid you not. There's actually a curse on Eurovision. It's the curse of song two. If you heard, if you heard the music, you understand what well, it would be. Apparently, the second song to be performed at the final has never won the competition, and the second performer has rarely qualified from the semi final since they were introduced in 2004. Who's the other UK this year? What? No, we're number 26. We're fine. Right. We're last on. Uh, last on first now? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, anyway, 37 countries have entered this year. Yeah. Uh, 20 will qualify from two semi finals. 10 went through on Tuesday. 10 will go through tonight. Uh, both the broadcasts live will, with 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 the winners being decided by the TV audience. Alan, stop looking at your watch. Uh, six countries automatically <laughs> qualified for the grand final. Last year's winner, Ukraine, plus the big five of France, Germany, Italy, Spain. Gotta go UK. anywhere, Alan. We don't we don't watch. have to we don't have to qualify. We get we get put in straight away. What's up, Alan? Uh, until 1971, <laughs> only solo singers or duos were allowed to perform, and they had to use the house orchestra. What? Mm. Uh, most acts <laughs> stood on stage, sang their song, bowed and walked off. BTM getting booed off. Uh, every yeah. country <laughs> in the final awards, two sets of scores, one from a jury of experts, and I put experts in brackets, in brackets yeah. uh, and one by the fans. Each of their ten favourite songs is given points, but they can't vote for their own country's song. Mm. However, tonight, uh, UK couldn't vote on Tuesday, they can now vote tonight. Make any sense? Not really. Good. Um, <laughs> their favourite act receives 12 points. Their second favourite, 10 points. Their third favourite place gets 8 points and then 7 points. And so on down to 1 point for 10th. Or nil point. Or nil point. <laughs> uh, Eurovision was one of the first televised competitions to let the audience vote. I'll just say one thing. 
Ching. Yeah. Uh, fans in Austria, yeah. Germany, Sweden, Switzerland, and the UK began voting by phone in 1997. Yeah, high phone, Bill. That's the one. <laughs> this year, the rest of the world will be allowed to vote for the first time with points given to the 10 most popular songs worldwide. I want to know, will New Zealand give Australia points? Will and why are Australia in it than in Europe? Yeah, will New Zealand get points from Australia? Well, they're, they're not in it. Okay. New Zealand aren't in it. Australia are. Don't ask me how Australian from Europe. I've got no idea. As I as I said, I think, I'm I not going to say the, anything about the Australian I think singing. All the, uh, all the all the European immigrants to Australia decided they had to be part of it because they were homesick. I have no idea, mate. Uh, anyway, the Australians sound flat when they sing. That's nice. Yeah. At the <laughs> They do. Oh, God almighty. You're not going to play a disclaimer on that, are you? No, no, no. I'm not going to play a disclaimer on that. <laughs> That's all right, then. Just that we got Danny Minogue coming on later. Only joking. I'm not scared <laughs> of her. You will be. Uh, at, the start <laughs> of the, at the start of the grand final, all the finalists walk out on stage accompanied by their national flag, which which is fair enough, which, you know, looks good. But you mean Kylie Minogue? Be, be ashamed of That's uh, Danny's your sister. Right. Uh, during this year's parade, listen out for the unique UK-Ukraine flavour as some much-loved former Ukraine contestants sing the Eurovision entries woven into British classics. Mm. So that's all about, about... What? It's all about Eurovision. Yeah. There you go. That's, that's all I'm yeah. saying. Euro-mesh. Yeah. Well, could <laughs> be Euro-trash. Oh, no, no. Oh, he's Euro-trash off again. Euro-trash was a television show. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good program, though. Well, no, from what, not. I, what I can understand, I can't, I can't think of the name of the French guy. That I don't want to watch. You don't think you want to? You don't want to watch that sort of stuff? No, right. That's it. We're done. I'm going to play out uh, George Sapp, and you two can go now. You've <laughs> 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 already caused enough trouble. <laughs> What's the worst? You've caused the trouble, Matty. No one else. Why have I caused the I'll trouble? Because you're the Steve one with the controls. Me? Never. Yeah. That's it. We're done. Thanks for your company. Shows repeat tonight at 6 and 10, 6 tomorrow morning, 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon, and 9 o'clock Sunday morning. Gully with Pandora's Box from OMD. Pandora's Box. That's correct. Uh, And then when we come back, we're going to speak to George Seven. Thanks for your company. And we'll see you tomorrow. Bye bye. Bye bye.
This isn't just any radio station. This is Liverpool Community Radio. FM. It's a pleasure to have this gentleman on the phone. If you've been to the match in the last few years or maybe longer, you'll this voice will be a regular. And let's introduce him. It's a very good afternoon to George Sefton. George, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Matty. It is afternoon, isn't it? Um, uh, <laughs> it is, yeah. I'm losing track of the time of day nowadays since lockdown. I was going to say, yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> we've been we've been doing this for four months and it's like it's literally been like is it what day is today Tuesday right okay yeah. <laughs> so I know the feeling so you I've are got the, some bad news for you it's Wednesday is it Wednesday there you go <laughs> that, that's what I mean well then <laughs> so you are the voice of Anfield I am indeed yes am I right it's your fiftieth season coming up coming if, up um, if I get inside Anfield. Uh, for the first home game of the new season, that will be season fifty. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Unbelievable. So it's, tell it's everyone about the word. Tell everyone about the story of how you became the voice of Anfield. Yeah, um, I was a copite from the time I was about thirteen, just before my fourteenth birthday. I started going, and um, I stood on the cop for a few years. Then I. Upgraded to the paddock in 69-70. And one night early in 1971, I was there with my wife. She used to go to the midweek games with me sometimes. And the guy on the, the old tannoy, as it was then, made a bloomer. And he had a habit of making bloomers. You know? I mean, in those days, you could play music at the wrong speed, that sort of thing. And he couldn't pronounce foreign names and... He did something silly, and I made a sarcastic remark to my wife, and she just looked at me deadpan and said, it's all right for you standing down here, but you couldn't do any better. <laughs> and that was a, you know, the most momentous sentence of my life, you know, because I looked at her and I thought, well, actually, <laughs> and, uh, went home, got out my uh, old-fashioned typewriter, which is what we used in those days to write proper letters, and um, wrote to Peter Robinson, whose his title was club secretary. Basically, he was the equivalent of a modern-day chief executive. Um, and it was a long letter. It was probably a very good letter. I'm sorry I didn't keep a copy, to be honest. But basically, it boiled down to, dear sir, gives a job. <laughs> um, and um, next thing I know, uh, he's asking me to come and see him. And I was sitting in his office. Um, I'd been waiting outside in the corridor on a dustbin because this was the time they were building the what is now the old main stand. It was the new main stand then. And uh, there was a row of dustbins outside. You probably heard that uh, Kevin Keegan, when he came for his interview with Shanks, he sat on a dustbin as well. <laughs> so um, they decided that rather than go through the hassle of looking around for somebody to take the job on, uh, they'd give me a go and uh, put me on uh, a trial. And technically speaking, I'm still on the same trial because <laughs> nobody's ever come to me and said, oh, hi, George, the job's yours for life. Um, but uh, I think I'm getting the hang of it now. I was going to say after that long, after that long, you should be. And I've I've worked. I, I used to work in Anfield, and you could always the the I can tell the listeners that the amount of 
time and preparation George puts in. Everyone think, must think he just turns up before kickoff and gets on with it. But I can actually confirm the amount of time and effort George puts in to make sure it, it is the way it is, it is is immense. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I know people, um, <clears throat> there are people to this day who think I just fall into my seat about 10 minutes before kickoff. Bang on, you'll never walk alone. Put my feet up. It's really, really not that simple anymore. I mean, um, it's been easier. Well, it, it's in theory, it's been easier since I retired from the nine to five bit. Yeah. Um, because what I used to do, uh, if I had a game at Anfield, or especially midweek, I'd just throw a, a few compilation CDs into my uh, laptop bag at lunchtime or before they came out in the morning, I'd go straight to Anfield and bang them on. But nowadays, I spend a lot of time comp- compiling playlists from match to match. So that by the time I get to the next game, I've got a, a playlist ready that's meaningful and useful and and whatever. Uh, but I know that um, there's a lot of people that really don't know what I get up to. Uh, um, I tell the story of one guy who emailed me, I don't know, three years ago maybe. He said, I've got, I'm managing this band. I think they're quite good. We have a listen to the, the new single. And I said, okay, uh, try me. So he sent me the single and I emailed him back. I said, that's, that's really good and it's good stadium rock. Uh, I'll put on the playlist. And he said, well, when are you going to play it? I said, well, actually, um, next I'll bang it on this coming Saturday. Uh, so I did. I played it. And uh, the following Monday, I got another email from this guy who was in a real state. He said, I thought you were going to play our, um, our my band's single. And I said, well, I did. And he said, I sat there right through half time. I didn't hear it. And I said, well, that's because I played it at 20 to 3. And this guy, like a lot of people, doesn't, didn't realise that two hours before kickoff, I start playing music. You know, as soon as the gates are open, yep. there are people who want to hear music. And um, that's my job. It's not just you know, during the game or whatever, but uh, I never heard from him again. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> now, I say, as I say, I mean, I've... You know, I've seen George at Anfield many a time, and anyone who thinks he falls in at ten to three in time for you never walk alone. You need to, you need to get a life because he doesn't, <laughs> he does not. Let me tell you, and I mean, the man is held in such revere around Anfield that everyone takes time out to say hello to George, no matter who they are, whether they're stewards or uh, club yeah. officials or fans. When yeah, George is there, it's funny that because I know. Uh, it's nice that all the way in now people say stop and say hello. And then you'll always get um, a new steward uh, who's never clapped eyes on me before. <laughs> me. What, about twice a season, somebody will stop me. You know, the usual, uh, you know, the old-fashioned routine, where do you think you're going? <laughs> I'm going through that door. Uh, you can't go in there. And I look at them and say, I think you'll find I actually can go in there. And... Um, then I, I, my favourite bit, I take a deep breath and say, "Do you know who I am?" <laughs> <laughs> and they, they say no. Uh, so I, I take another deep breath and then I say, "There'll be two minutes of added time, <laughs> two minutes." And at that point, they all fall over, and then they realise who, who it is they're talking to. And, uh, they're, oh, sorry, mate, sorry, mate. Off you go. And it, it, I say it's, uh, 
it's all part of the the fun. Yeah, because where where your com where your booth is, it's in the corner of the cop now, and uh, yeah. it is a, a lot of stairs to walk up. Uh, I don't use the stairs anymore. Oh, that's okay uh, then. They let me in the lift. Oh, do they the let time. you use the lift now? For the listeners, yeah. for the listeners, um, we actually go up to the control room where George's booth is. There's about, I'd say, 100, 150 stairs. Yeah, I did count once. I think you're not far wrong, man. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you, so in 1971, you got it, you started. Did you think yeah. to yourself, okay, uh, I've got it. What can I do? You know, here I am, let's go for it. Well, yeah, the first phrase was, what the blue blazes might do in here. <laughs> um, um, then I got to the top of the old um, main stand. You know, in those days, I had to go through the roof of the old main stand and down the ladder onto the TV gantry. On the first time I went down there, I looked out and looked at the, the crowd, the, what was in there. There was a fair crowd in early on, but the size of the stadium... And then, as I say, I just froze. And then I thought, well, I've either got to get on with this now or go home, pack a suitcase and go abroad because nobody will ever speak to me ever again if I <laughs> bottle it now. Yeah, uh, But it, it's like the cup final. You know, the players always say, you're so nervous. And then when you kick off, you're fine. And it was the same with me that day. And I, you know, once I got going and uh, everything was working, yeah. it was it was great, you know, and, um, I think my nervous system just collapsed and died that day because it it's doesn't it's not really troubled me since since but uh, you know even I I just turn into a fan sometimes you know when we're one one goal ahead with five minutes to go and the opposition are battering us I, yeah that's when I get nervous which is what you're supposed to be yeah I found that I I found that many a time but I went back in. You know, late seventies, early eighties. It was all vinyl. It wasn't CD. Oh, so, yes. do you ever have the problem of the old jumping record? Uh, not very often. Touch wood. Um, no, I mean the the problem was the size of the punishing things, especially when you got into the twelve inch singles era. <laughs> uh, down just to the right of my desk, I've still got the box I used to carry twelve inch vinyl in. And I swear that one of my arms was longer than the other one after a few months of carting that thing up. You know, up the, well, I used to have to go up lots of flights of stairs to the old, uh, the old perch. It was it yeah. was something else. And of course, when CDs came in, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven because they were so much lighter. Uh, and now it's graduated again, so I, I use memory sticks now. I, I take two duplicates just in case. Um, it's part of the. You know, not not a superstition, but just bitter experience. I've, I've found that if you have a copy of everything, you'll you'll get by. I know there was a guy in Australia who I uh, got chatted to, a young lad who was just basically he was just starting out doing what I do now at a small club in Adelaide. Then he got offered a job at one of the the bigger clubs in uh, in the city. And he messaged me. I said, right, I've got the opportunity to have a go at this. Have you got any words of advice? And I said, yeah, just one thing I'd, I'd say to you. Always assume that everything possible is going to go wrong. And think to yourself, what would I do if that happened? You know, does the power go off? You know, does the CD player pack up? The whatever. 
just think what would happen. And he, he, he said to me sometime later, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I nearly got caught out, but I was, because of what you said, I was, I was ready for it. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same now. I've got playlist is duplicated on two memory sticks. I've got backups. I've got about five copies of you never walk alone in various <laughs> formats. Um, I mean, that's that's gone wrong more than once. I know once in the 70s, I actually forgot to take my vinyl copy of You Never Walk Alone. Only once. Only Don't once. do it again. Uh, and now, of course, I've got, I've got it on three different CDs and three memory sticks, I think. So um, I'll, that won't fall to bits. Although, I know, I think it was a season before last, You Never Walk Alone stopped uh, halfway through. The, the deck just stopped. And the crowd, you know, took it up and went on. And people were mailing me for days after that. So that was a, a work of genius, that stopping you never walk alone at that point. And I didn't have the heart to tell them it was just pure accident. You know, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll uh, keep that to myself. I was going to say, just, that's, just it's just George yeah. being George. Yeah, yeah. George, the magician. <laughs> George, this is Alan. Um, I'm hi. A, hi, I'm a Chillingham supporter, so... Uh, but I, I live. I live close well, to the ground. We all ground. have our cross to burn. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I've been a Chillingham supporter through bad times and catastrophic since. Well, yeah. maybe it was a tadpole, I suppose. But uh, it interests me as to uh, what your background was to to actually do the job. Because, for example, the mash announcer at Chillingham is uh, uh, Dave Hudson, and he. I knew him from school, but he's quite a well-known folk singer in the southeast yeah. and and uh, in France. Um, David Kinjensen from the radio used to be the match day announcer at uh, Crystal Palace. So, uh, what was your background that led you up to it? Uh, absolutely nothing other than being a Liverpool <laughs> a, fan. A perfect the, answer. <laughs> what? Yeah. What I I can say is I'm you know I've. Um, Going back to my youth, I used to listen to a lot of music. I was, a, I was an only child uh, and a bit of a loner when I was... A I was your classic teenager locked in the bedroom with a record player and my homework. Yeah. So I, I used to listen to an awful lot of music. So I knew, I knew about the music. And incidentally, I... Luckily for me, I started going to Liverpool in 1960 and... Yeah. You won't know, but in 1962, when we got promoted to the old first division, that was when um, we put a proper PA system in. And, of course, that coincided with the Merseybeat era, and yeah. everything changed in music. So that's when music started being played at, at football grounds. And I, I'm, I was brought up with that. But um, So I'd listen, I was listening to the music at you Anfield for years and I think it's something to do with being a, uh, a Pisces I just copy people I, I, you know if you look around all the impressionists on telly a lot of them are Pisceans it's something in the stars but so I, when I turned up to Anfield I just did out of fashion what yeah. this previous guy had done or the previous permanent guy before the uh, the bloke came in who, who I took over from and it worked and it's because over the years and years and years and years I've been doing it it's um, it's evolved so I you know, my um, methods of doing things on a Saturday are mine now 
Um, so it's you know everything's changed. You know, at the football grounds, timings, you know, crowd safety, everything has changed. So I've 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 grown up with you know the uh, the ground growing up and changing and and evolving as it has done. The stadium we've got now. Yeah. Without uh, without uh, giving away any trade secrets, how do you manage to get the announcements out so quickly when? Something is uh, something's disputed. For example, um, you know, three or four people going for the same ball, and the ball ends up in the net. How do you manage to get it right? You threw. Um, <laughs> just play it by ear. I mean, the the classic example, uh, which I you know talk about a lot. Peter Crouch, when he came to us, he couldn't score for Toffee for months on end. Yeah, and then we were playing. I think it was Wigan we were playing, and. Um, it was the situation that you've just been talking about. So the ball went in the net, and somebody, I shouted to somebody in the next room in match control who would, had a better view of the far, the Anfield Road goal than I do. Yeah. Who got that? Was it Crouchy? And somebody said, no, no, it was a known goal, it was a known goal. And somebody else shouted, it was the keeper, it was the keeper. And then I looked on my... Uh, I've got a TV monitor in there, which is basically shows what's what exactly what the TV cameras are recording. Yeah. And at that point, the entire team had jumped on Peter Crouch and had the biggest grin you've ever seen. <laughs> and I, I'm, I thought that's it. Even if he hasn't scored it, he's being credited with the damn thing because it gave the whole place a lift. It gave him a lift, and got a huge cheer. And, and so I announced it: scored of Peter Crouch. And then people started coming in. You got that wrong. You got that. It was no goal. It was no goal. And about a month later, the dubious goals panel down at the FA uh, said that I was right and they were wrong, which was really nice. But again, it's just years of experience and playing it by ear. You do what you think is right. And when you do make a foul, you know, uh, you hold your hands up and say, I'm sorry, I got that wrong and, and correct yourself. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's something that I... I'm very keen on. I always say to people, if I make a mess, I'll hold my hands up. I'll apologise. Try to put it right. If somebody accuses me of something I haven't actually done, I get really, really annoyed. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not given to getting annoyed, yeah, but that's fair, what fair gets play. me down. Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I can. I, I have pictures of match day control shouting through the scorer as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you find that VAR has uh, impacted your impacted your role? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when when it started, you know, the first game was West Brom, which is, what, a couple of years ago now, yeah. uh, which was a complete shambles. But, I mean, that afternoon, I, I poked my head into uh, match control next door and said, Excuse, has anybody got any idea what's going on? <laughs> and, and that's the way it was. And then we it went off and we came, we had another trial in the, I think it was the Carabao Cup against Chelsea. And then early last year, they announced that uh, VAR was going to be in place at every Premier League game. And I was having kittens. Uh, I really was. I was so worried because it was, it, you need, I mean, the way the scoreboard is set up and my decks are set up and everything, you need at least four hands to, you know, to cope with it. Uh, and I, you want a goal goes, and I was uh, zooming up and down my little room there on my on uh, my office chair with casters on. Thank goodness, 
And I thought, I'll never cope with all this. I just don't know what I'm going to do. But during the close season, um, they, uh, the club seconded a, a guy, one of the whiz kids from LSE TV, and uh, one of his cronies who was uh, another technical wizard, and they were put in charge of the scoreboard, including VAR. So they, uh, they take care of all that. I don't have to worry about it, which is wonderful, yeah. um, because uh, I, I really don't think I could have coped. It's, it's just physically impossible to operate so many microphones, faders, and screens all at once. It's just literally physically impossible. And I know last summer I was watching uh, the Women's World Cup very keenly. My wife was, you know, kept saying, you're watching football again. I was, but I was. The VAR during the Women's World Cup last, last year was a menace until later on when the, all the referees got called into a meeting with uh, Pierluigi Colina. Uh, I'm sure you know Pierluigi. Oh, yeah. After that, you know, for the last two rounds of the Cup, there were very few VAR ref, uh, references at all. So we'd obviously said to somebody, look, let's be, not be stupid here. It's ruining the game. Backed up. And then I also watched the Cricket World Cup, uh, which was great because they had so many reviews. Yeah. But when that happens, it's all happening on big screens. You can hear the conversations. You can see what they're looking at. And the same with the rugby. We had the Magic Weekend at Anfield last spring. Yeah. Um, and I, I took a keen interest in the way they handled uh, their equivalent of VAR. It's brilliant. The same thing. Big screens everywhere. You can hear what's going on. You can see what's going on. There's no mysteries. And um, it worked a treat for them, but it's it's been deadly lately. There have been some horrible decisions. I mean, the, the worst one lately was the, the Aston Villa goal, wasn't it, against Sheffield United that, yeah. uh, that yeah. went about a, feet, a foot over the line and wasn't given as a goal. Um, things like that shouldn't be happening now, but they are. But they, it's, it's getting better. It needs to get better and quicker. And I believe there are new rules afoot for the new season, um, which is, you know, Hopefully, going to iron out a few of the cracks. But in theory, it's brilliant. You know, in in practice, it's uh, it's not been quite so brilliant. But I'm sure somebody somewhere is is going to make sure it is because it's got to be for the you know the future of the game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I was going to say that. Uh, yeah, um, I laugh and joke about being a Gillingham supporter, but uh, um, I, I love just about any ball game and. Uh, I, from a personal point of view, I think uh, the review pro the review system in rugby and the review system in cricket are, are pretty good. Um, yeah. The other thing is that you get a you get much more respect, you know, much more a much more overt display of respect from a rugby player for the referee. Yeah. I think possibly because it's just a more inherently violent game. Yeah, it's it's some it's an ongoing thing about <clears throat> rugby. I mean, they, we have had problems. I know the uh, FIFA brought in some new rules, didn't they, a couple of years ago about surrounding the ref and who's supposed to be able to talk to the ref and whatever. Yeah. 
<coughs> which are not being strictly adhered to. I mean, it's a lot. It's like a lot of things in life. If they stick to the rules and enforce the rules, everything will be wonderful. But they, you know, they. It's it's like we're going what we're going through now with people out about who refuse to wear masks. Yeah. Um, you know, if if they were jumped on early on and said, "Look, this is what we're doing. You wear a mask, or you don't go out." It's, everything would be much easier, but it's not because you know they're, they're getting away with murder. Yeah, well, definitely. Is, that starts. That starts. I'm, I'm turning you into an old grouch here. You no, you're not. I'll, I'll tell you. We'll come away from that. It's hello, far from turning into an old grouch. Hello, brother. No, well, yeah, turn, get away from that, Alan. Save George turning into an old yeah. grouch. Um, yeah. Now I'm, I've been looking up George, and I remember about 20 years ago, you were sacked without telling you. That's Maybe. right. Yeah. It was that was weird. The start of the season two thousand two thousand and one. I arrived at Anfield first game against Bradford, around, yeah. and um, I walked in my room and there's Phil Easton from Radio City with his sound engineer, and we both simultaneously looked at each other. So, what are you doing here? And um, unbeknown to me, I'd been replaced. <laughs> Um, but nobody had thought to tell me that it was a, an agreement between Liverpool FC and Radio City. Hmm. Um, somebody, um, I won't mention his name on air because I'll probably get in trouble, but he, he was supposed to have told me uh, the week before that there, were, there was a change in, in the offing and uh, thank you very much, goodbye. But uh, basically he bottled out of him. Ah, right. And, um, when they had their last meeting before the first game, I'm told by my spies that somebody said, what did poor old George say when you told him he wasn't wanted anymore? And the culprit was sort of sat there shuffling his feet and saying, oh, well, well, what it is. Um, uh, and they said, you haven't told him, have you? And he said, well, no. And somebody else says, well, when he turns up on Saturday and finds Phil there, he'll just walk off in a huff uh, and I didn't I just stood my ground because they yeah. me you know uh, being an old fashioned kind of if somebody had said to me you sacked I would have said well sad but thank you very much bye bye yeah. uh, but you yeah. know as far as I was aware I was still in post and uh, it worked out well in the, after a fashion because um, Phil Easton Soundman played some music that wasn't really the stuff that they were used to at Anfield and they there were so many complaints I believe the chief executive depending on who you listen to had either an extra couple of sacks of mail or an extra van the following week there were so many complaints and um, they had to backtrack so what they did they they couldn't break their agreement with the radio station. So mm. what they did was decide that Phil and I would work as a team. Uh, I did most of the you know, pre-match up to about 20 minutes before kickoff. He took over. His sound man played a couple of tunes. He spoke a few words, read the teams, and off we went. And um, that worked okay. You know, Obviously, I was a bit miffed. But I still had a job, which was the main thing. And people used to think that I hated the sight of Phil. I had nothing of the kind. I got my house on fire with the guy because, um, you know, he and I were 
uh, like the same music. We got he's a nice bloke. You know, I, I actually did a, quite a few functions with Phil, you know, dinners and things uh, in the next few years. And then um, he had this thing, he had this scheme. He, what he'd do when he when he moved from Radio City to Radio to uh, Magic, he'd hire a, a nice restaurant in town. He'd get some superstar down who was had a new album to plug. Uh, we'd invite some local people and get a couple of people as plants in the audience to ask questions. And then when they recorded it all and edited the thing, they then broadcast over the Magic Network. So it was, you know, everybody was happy. And I, I was one of the plants in the audience, yeah. uh, which was fantastic. I mean, I, I did about three with Christy Berg. Um, one with uh, Russell Watson. Who else do we have? Kaylee Westenra. Uh, Katie Meldor did one of them, and um, it was it was lovely. You know, free night out. You know, I got to meet all these famous people, and uh, you know, I, I, you know, it was great. And as I say, we did dinners together as you know, two handlers. He would him comparing and me playing the music or or whatever. Yeah, it was great. And put that that went on for a while, and then of course he died suddenly yeah. in two thousand and nine, which was. Ricky, at which point Peter McDowell took over. It's changed now. I now do all the music. Peter McDowell reads the teams. And obviously, if there's something going on pitch level, it's yeah, we've got to have somebody down there at pitch level while I'm up, up in the gods. So, yeah. uh, yeah, so it goes. Yeah, because Peter, um, I remember speaking to Peter when Phil had, and he got the job and Phil, when yeah. Phil unfortunately passed. And, Peter said, you know, I'm filling big boots here. And everyone, you know, everyone, he was thinking everyone was going to be, oh, God, you know, another. But yeah. personally, I think you you and Phil work wonderful together. And you've got the same rapport you have with Peter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So have you ever looked at a foreign players? We're going back when we, you know, European Cup. Have you ever looked at a, a team sheet and gone, oh, God, how do I pronounce that? Yeah. Only once. Um, can I tell you that I, when yeah. I was at school, um, I did. I did Spanish and Russian, so that gives you a good insight into an awful lot of the foreign languages. I can still, I can't speak much Russian nowadays, but I still read the, the Russian alphabet, which is a help. Yeah. But that gives you a good insight, and I used to cope um, very well with all the foreign names. And the only time I had real, real trouble was, I think it was seventy six, seventy seven. Uh, we played uh, AEK of Athens. Mm. Yeah. Now, in those days, there were no squads, so you couldn't look online. There was no online. You couldn't look online and, and familiarise yourself with the squad because there wasn't one. And when I turned up on the night, I was given a programme. There were 11 names, no substitutes. Then the team sheet came. Uh, five of the 11 had disappeared. They weren't in the squad. So we had five new names plus five substitutes. And I looked at this lot and thought, good grief. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but I, I just did what I could. And the, the bottom line is that basically the people who were listening to me didn't know any better than I did. And I, if I'd said, you know, uh, King Arthur and Queen Cleopatra <laughs> were playing, they, they wouldn't have known any difference. So I just got on with it. Yeah, as you um, do. But what? What did get me that night, I used to sit next door to two guys who did commentary for hospital radio. Yeah. 
and I could hear them out of one ear. And if you'd listen to those guys, Tommy Smith and Joey Jones appear to be passing the ball backwards and forwards to each other for 90 minutes. (laughs) 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 The Greeks didn't get a kick. So I thought, well, that's the way to do it. And they they said the same thing afterwards. That if you're listening and you're lying in a hospital bed, yeah, not an amphi, you can't see what's going on. If and again, if the um, if the commentator said this happened, you've got no reason to disbelieve it until you get the newspaper the following morning, maybe. But uh, exactly, they got away with it. Yeah, you've seen some games during your times at uh, Saint Etienne '77. Yeah, you know, Barcelona. Uh, you know, when we came back from four nil, three uh, nil down, could you, if someone said to you, give me your top five games that you've seen? Could you? Well, you've, you've just mentioned two of them. Um, <laughs> Saint Etienne at the time, you thought nothing will ever beat this. Um, then um, you can work your way through Chelsea semi final in two thousand and five. Yeah. Fantastic! And if you if you find the right YouTube clip, there's one. If I think you have to Google the best ever version of "You Never Walk Alone," and one of them it shows um, the end of the game or up the the 90th minute, um, and you can hear me just about reading out six minutes at a time, yeah. and then you look down and Rafa. Rafa is looking at his coaching staff and saying, what did George just say? (laughs) (laughs) And then a few yards away, the blessed Jose Mourinho, my hero, uh, is is looking, six minutes! (laughs) And he's he's waving his team on. And people say that Chelsea threw everything but the kitchen sink at Liverpool that night. And I say, that's nonsense. I did actually see one kitchen sink flying through the air at one, at one stage. <laughs> um, but, and then at the end of that, I bunged on You Never Walk Alone, which I very rarely do after a game. And at the end of that, again, you can hear me giving a speech. I had lost it by then. Yeah, It sounded, you know, and what I was actually saying was I've been coming here for you know donkey's years and this is the best atmosphere I've ever experienced. But it sounded like one of Hitler's Nuremberg rallies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really did. I just completely gone. Yeah. Um, Jose, your boys took beating. What's that? Yeah, Jose, your boys took one hell of a beating. Yeah. Yes, that's the one. Oh. Um, but then you've got... Uh, um, Dortmund a couple yeah. of years ago and obviously Barcelona knocks them all into a cocked hat you know, yeah. that was just an unbelievable night all round I mean the, the way it's the way it fell out if you if you're writing a uh, kid's comic and you put the story in like that they'd, they'd have you drug tested <laughs> <laughs> I mean you, you, you t- we turn up on the night with three nil down to the yeah. best team in the world, uh, which they were at the time. Not anymore. Um, two of our star players are cropped, and as I say people just turned up thinking, "Well, it's Barcelona. Let's go and enjoy watching like me you know, Messi and Suarez play, and, and see you know just see if we can score a goal maybe." And then, because we score an early goal, I mean. Things started just sort of changing in people's brains, and then half time comes and goes. Genie scores a couple of goals, and all of a sudden, 
we're in Cloud Cuckoo Land here. And then, of course, that that corner yes. from uh, uh, Trent. Trent to Deboch. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 at the time, I was waiting for the referee to blow his whistle and say to Trent, don't be stupid, take it again. Then I suddenly realised he'd given the goal. <laughs> and all the Barcelona players were wandering around looking at each other. What, what's going on? And it, it was it was just pure magic. Not just Trent and uh, Divock, but the young lad called um, Canonier, who was the ball boy. Apparently he's on our academy books at the moment. I think he's 15, 16 yes. now. Yeah, he gave the ball um, back straight he away. He gave the ball back. And if you know, if you just sit and watch that, which I quite often do, if I'm feeling a bit drowned off, yeah. I dig the video out of that. It's just you know, never ceases to amaze me. Yeah. Ball boy, Trent, clink, bang, it's in the back of the goal. And then, of course, we've got, what, 20 minutes, was it, to hold out? I think it was, yeah. But, I mean, even if, you know, if Barcelona had just scraped a ball or managed to win themselves a penalty, whatever, we would have been out, you know, four goals or nothing. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was quite a stressful twenty minutes as well. But then at the end, of course, whoa, that was it. Yeah. And um, again, I put you never walk alone on, and the, you know yourself that what happened next at the yeah. the squad all lined up in front of the cop, and that, that was just pure utter magic. And um, when they'd finished, you never walk alone, and away to the crowd and all the rest of it. I'm thinking. Okay, and I'll go home now. And then I realised nobody was moving. And so I, I picked up the first track. I've got a little pile of standby CDs on my desk there. Yeah. And the top one was John Lennon's greatest hit. So I banged on, Imagine came on. And the whole place, everybody was left, just took it up. And, yeah, and I'm looking out there. And that's such a feeling of power that you've, you've got. You know, however many thousand people singing along to what you're doing is just unbelievable. And I, I know I was getting messages for a couple of days after that. I know my favourite was a guy in Australia. He said uh, he was in Sydney Casino in the early hours watching the game, and the place was full of all these big, hairy Australian sheep farmers. <laughs> and they were all in tears singing along to Imagine. And um, then, of course, the, the the killer punch was the next day. Uh, Piers Morgan called me a genius on breakfast television. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have that. I don't like the fella, but yeah, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, and, take it um, all day long. Absolutely. So, I mean, we can't leave you without mentioning your book, which is coming out shortly, George. Uh, it's May next year, May the end of this coming season. Mm-hmm. Um, I've. It'll be out and about. The plan at the moment is hardback in May and then uh, paperback by Christmas next year. Mm-hmm. Um, the I've just finished the final draft. Uh, I've had you know, that's I've had one initial draft finished and back to me uh, edited by uh, my upper the publishers. Yeah. And uh, obviously, while he was editing what he had, I was writing the 2020 chapter, which is obviously the 
the craziest of the whole lot yeah. for all sorts of reasons. Yeah, definitely. Um, he's just got, well, this morning I've sent him back the the next one and just see what he does to that. It needs uh, about 1,500 wires trimming out of it. And then uh, the show hits the road. I'm really pleased with that. I mean, it's um, you know, it's it's a big publishers, Atlantic Books, who have got some serious yeah. sporting clients. Um, the guy uh, who's editing the thing, he's, he really impressed me. My, I was introduced to a literary agent by Peter Hooten from the farm about two years ago, and he, well, he found three publishers who were interested the first one uh very happy with big publishing house and then we discovered they were connected to rupert murdoch so I'd, ah, right, I'd, yeah. i declined their offer um and then we had two more uh to talk to and after we spoke to these guys i said forget the other one uh, this fella he knows what he's doing i like him he speaks my language uh, let's go, and uh, that's the way it is. It's uh, it's quite funny. I mean, my wife has an expression. You know, people will ring, and she'll say, "Oh, you, uh, your dad's upstairs playing on his computer." <laughs> um, it really gets my go because I just don't play games on the computers no. at the time. But um, I've spent days and days going backwards and forwards through the the transcript, making sure all the facts are right. Um, you know, and just making sure that there's nothing to upset anybody. I don't want to upset anybody. No, of course not. What's the title uh, of it, George? It's just, it's going to be called The Voice of Anfield. I had a couple of really clever titles, but um, it's um, The Voice of Anfield, uh, my 50 years at Liverpool, I see. My, uh, Kenny has written the foreword. Yeah which I'm really pleased about, uh, not to mention gobsmacked. Um, <laughs> and Elvis Costello has written some, written some sleeve notes uh, for the, the back cover, which are funnier than the book. And I, I said to him, if you could write another few thousand words, like that, I can just give up. You can, you can do the whole thing. You know, so. Yeah. It just shows the amount. It just shows George what respect you have from former players, players who were there today, and of course yeah, the celebrity nice. fans. It, 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 it's, I keep saying to people, this is, you know, every so often I stop and think, um, what am I doing here, talking to these people, you know, and just things happen. I mean, I was telling you before we came on out about my phone going off yes. a couple of weeks ago and I picked it up and said, who's that? And it was Kenny. <laughs> uh, I very nearly you know, fell out of my chair. But then, I mean, a couple of years ago, Phil Neal and I went to see the supporters club in Tenerife. I mean, I got up to speak and I just looked around. I said, I'm standing on a rock in the middle of the Atlantic. In my left hand, I've got the European Cup. And... Down here, sitting next to me, is the former captain of England and Liverpool. Um, you know, this is insane. You know, yeah. the whole thing is crazy. Well, it's so good. Uh, the, the only sad thing is that my poor dad, who was a cop eye for years, died young, never got to see any of this. And he, he would have, you know, he would have thought it was it was absolutely un unbelievable that uh, some of the things. I mean, yeah. Kenny came out with a quote on when I was 65, which is nine years ago now, somebody, Claire Raw from LSC TV was 
interviewing him. And she said, last but not least, uh, George Sefton turns 65 today. We got the messages for him. And he said, yeah, he's part of the history and traditions of the club. And I said to my wife, just look at this on the, you know, and listen to this. And um, I said, you can take me outside and shoot me now because... <laughs> It is not going to get any better than that. I was going to say, he's not far wrong there, George. George, we're the end of the show. I appreciate you giving us your time. I know you're a busy man. My pleasure. Hopefully, I say, when when everything's uh, sorted, you can actually join us in the studio. It'd be great to have you in. That would be nice. I'm looking forward to shaking somebody's hand. I haven't done that for six months now, (laughs) which is very sad. Just give everyone the elbow in match day control. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, George, thanks for your time. Really appreciate yeah. it, mate. Yeah, George, Lovely. thank you so cheers. much. It's been a real pleasure. Okay, cheers. Thanks, bye-bye. George. Cheers bye-bye. now. Bye bye. Bye bye. My heart is broken, but what care I? Such pride inside me has broken. I'll try my best not to cry by and by when the final farewells must be spoken. I'll join the Legion, that's what I'll do. And in some far distant region where human hearts are staunch and true, I shall start my life anew. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.